Come on, give him some praise today, everybody. It's so good to see everyone here today. Good morning. Welcome to Ascent. If I haven't had a chance to meet you guys yet, my name is Brian, and I just jumped on the Ascent team about six months ago. Bill and Jim brought us on the team. Uh, we moved here last summer, and just so glad to be here working with high school students. Go ahead, take a seat, take a seat. Some of you guys are sitting. I was going to keep you standing for a minute, but you guys look ready to sit. You're like, come on, let us sit down, Brian. I, but we're so excited to be here. You'll be able to meet Jim and Bill at the end of the service. You saw that new Comer Connect card when you came in, hopefully, in that bulletin. And we would love for you to fill it out if you're new, checking the church out, learn some things. But I want to take a moment before we get into things today. I want to update you guys on the bigger household a little bit, my family. When Nicole and I moved here to join Ascent with Bill and Jim, Nicole and I had a housing situation that literally exploded in our faces. And I won't bore you with all the details, but we had some huge housing challenges. And we, I think, moved like six or seven times in a three-month period. I honestly lost count. I don't even know what was happening. It was just a blur. But I'm excited to announce the Bigger family has finally moved into a home. We're making Colorado our place. Yes, thank you. We're so excited. It's so nice to have some space. But the only reason I'm telling you guys this is what honestly felt like an impossible situation for Nicole and I became an overwhelming and overflowing expression of generosity and love and hospitality from this church. We had so many people from this church coming to us saying, hey, what do you guys need? We'd love to help you out. You can even stay with us if you want, which by the way, I'm not just like a single guy who just keeps to himself in the basement, doesn't talk. I've got a pregnant wife, a one-year-old child, and a dog. I am a liability for every single house in the state of Colorado. And yet people invited us in and we stayed with some families from this church. We had a family in the church store all of our stuff in the basement, which was a huge help. We had people pouring baby supplies on us. And I just wanted to take a moment and thank you, Ascent Church, for just welcoming Nicole and I into the church family, making us feel like we are part of this community in this new state, in this new church. We just love the people in this church so much. And I'm so excited to meet so many more of you and to be a part of this team. So. As we get ready to move forward just in the service, can we just get expectant right now? Let's believe something's going to happen. Let's open up our minds. Let's get off our phones. Let's believe something's going to happen right now. Will you pray with me before we dig in? God, thank you so much just for this day. Thank you for the gift of life, the opportunity to gather as your church. We don't want to take this for granted right now. And so I pray right now, Lord, that we would really just hear from you, that you would encourage us, build us up. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Can I hear a good amen, everybody? Amen, amen. All right. Well, if you've missed the last few weeks, you're just jumping in. Bill and Jim started this On Purpose series at the beginning of the year. And basically, the whole thing is about all the things that make Ascent unique, our core values, how we fit into this larger picture that God's working out the world. I mean, this is like big, heady stuff. Now, we're going to take a little pit stop just for one week. And we're going to kind of stay in the same vein, but next week we'll dig back into our values. And my church experience, at least growing up, we kind of went every Sunday. It was part of the family rhythm. But there was a critical moment in my kind of journey as far as it goes to church, and that was when I went to college. Because, you know, that's when you really start to decide, am I going to do this for myself, or did I just go because my parents dragged me? But I had a really weird thing happen my freshman year of college. I honestly felt like I was getting these promptings and impressions from God to rethink my entire career course and life trajectory. I really felt like God was saying to me, 
I want you to focus your life on building this thing called the church. And it wasn't like I was hearing voices or anything, but I had this internal agonizing battle going on, so much so that I literally have journal entries from that time in my life where I wrote down, I do not want to be a pastor. I don't want to work on the weekends. I don't want to be poor. No. Still have those entries. And yet, it was so honestly hard to fight this internal battle. I finally came to a decision where I was just like, you know what? I'm going to just try this. And if it fails, I can always bounce back and do something else. But I'm just going to give this a shot. So I changed my major. I changed the whole plan of my life. And I'm like, I'm going to jump right into this thing. And I found myself as a youth pastor at a church in Missouri. God clearly loved me so much. He sent me to Missouri for a few years of my life. I've upgraded since then, as you can tell. But I'm in Missouri. And I'm at this church, and here's the thing. This was a motley group of people, this church. I mean, we had rich, poor, young, old, married, formerly married, drug addicts, messed up people, dysfunctional people, mean people, weird people. Every church has them, and this church clearly had a lot. And here's the funny thing, though. With all of the, honestly, dysfunction and differences and all this weird smattering of people that would not fit in any other scenario, I started to see God do things that I had never seen before in the church. I went from just being a Sunday spectator to getting a front row seat to what was actually going on in the church. And I kid you not, we saw marriages restored. We saw addicts get clean. We had gangbangers becoming community activists and political leaders. We had lonely people getting connected. And we saw complete life transformation happening in people all over the church, even in the student ministry. And here's the thing. I know it's kind of embarrassing to say, I was shocked every single time it happened. I was like, this should not be happening in the church. Like, we should just be doing our thing on Sunday, and yet all this crazy stuff is happening, and people are being transformed, and I actually kept a memento from that season. Before I left, I was on my way to seminary, going back to Chicago, and this sixth grade student, this girl, gave me this little card before I left. And it simply says, thank you on it, but when you open up, she wrote me just this simple message that said, Brian, again, thank you for changing my life. Now, can I be totally honest for one moment? I get cards like this, and you know, it's really sweet. But I do have a little side of me that's like, wow, she's 12. Where is she now? You know, what did she mean when she wrote this? But I kept it because to me, this was just a sign of all the incredible things I saw happening in the context of this community, this church body in Missouri. And here's the thing. Every single church I've been a part of since then, I have seen God doing things that are honestly unexplainable that exceed my expectations every time. I'm constantly surprised by it. And what I have experienced now in the church is exactly what Jesus talked about when he was here doing his ministry on earth. There is actually a point in time when Jesus made this guarantee. He said in Matthew 18, whenever two or three of you come together in my name, I am there with you. Now, I think it's kind of weird that Jesus would even say something like that because God's everywhere. I mean, he's with you when you're alone. He's with you when you don't show up. I mean, it's almost like, why would Jesus need to emphasize something like this? But I think he is trying to truly help us understand the fact that when God's people, the church, come together in community, something happens that cannot happen in any other context. God actually manifests his presence and his power in ways he doesn't do in any other place. 
and he does things that we cannot manufacture ourselves. And the thing I love about this, if you read it, Jesus adds zero disclaimers to this promise. He doesn't say, hey, when a handful of people gather, but just make sure you got one or two that actually know what they're doing and they've read the Bible and there's some spiritual maturity there because we don't want things to get weird. He doesn't say, hey, make sure you get some African-American brothers and sisters in there because they're just way better at worshiping than us more pasty Christians. That's just a fact, by the way. You know, and I got to add that in there because this is a little side note. When I moved to Colorado, I spoke at a few churches and I was talking to some people. I'm like, I feel like I just like lost my touch or something. I'm not like, I'm not feeling the same response. And somebody told me, they're like, you're just preaching to more white people. That's all it is. It's just, you're preaching to more white people. So there's less amens. I still love you guys, but a little encouragement every now and then would help me out a little bit. Okay. Show a brother some love. Thank you. He doesn't even say that there's a specific place you need to get to, which is very good news for us because I don't think God would pick an old Sam's Club as his favorite spot to meet. No disclaimers. When you gather, my presence will be working in ways that you can't even fully explain or work out in your own power. And I've seen it over and over and over again in the context of this thing we call the church. And I'm constantly shocked by it. This isn't even just a thing about like personal transformation and what it does in each of our individual lives. There's actually something even bigger going on too that I think Jesus is talking about. Nicole and I moved here like six months ago and our son Easton was like one year old right around that time, which you parents know, that's the age right when your kids start forming opinions about things. They feel strongly about certain things. And Easton's one year old and we start bringing him to the kids ministry here. And let me just say this, I had high hopes for him, but he failed miserably. And we would drop Easton off, and he would be doing the stereotypical separation anxiety thing, screaming, crying, reaching out to Nicole. And here's the thing. I don't even care that Easton was crying. He can cry all he wants, okay? He's still going to that kids' ministry. I feel bad for those kids' workers. I'm apologizing to him every week. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I hope he stops crying before I come back. I, I am subjecting you to this punishment of my child. But here's the funny thing that started happening. Over a few weeks, Easton not only would stop crying, he actually got to a point where he would start reaching out to some of the kids' workers because he was getting familiar with them and comfortable with them. And now it got to a point where I actually love to have fun with this. Like on a Sunday or another day during the week when Nicole and I are here, I'll go to East and I'll say, hey, bud, do you want to go to church today? And he goes, yes! Because my son already now at this age is already associating the church as a community of people that love him unconditionally, that care for him, that create a space where he can have fun and just be himself. And it's easy just to look at that and think, oh, that's so great, Brian, that, you know, somebody's able to watch your kids and wipe their butts so we can go to church here and be undisturbed. But you've got to understand there is something so much bigger going on there. Because as Easton gets older and we can start having some real conversations about God, I'm going to be able to sit down and talk to my son and say, hey, Easton, you know all those people at Ascent who just love you so much? They're like mothers and fathers and big brothers and sisters to you, and you just love being around them. And he'll be like, yeah. I'll be able to say, that's what God's like. That's how Jesus feels about you. And what may seem just like babysitting during a church service is God working in the lives of people and setting trajectories, changing family lines, working in generations. You guys have to see, it's not even just the kids' ministry. Any time you invest in the church and what God's doing in the world, you are making an impact on eternity. 
you are investing in something that's going to last forever. And I love to use this word. I think this is just so fitting for what God is trying to do in every single one of our lives. And what I think God is doing is his goal for every single one of us is legacy. And legacy is simply leaving an impact that lives longer than you do. And in every single one of our lives, God wants to use us to leave a mark on history and eternity that will outlive us in a supernatural, powerful way. And this happens all over ascent. Every single time we do something, we are sowing seeds of eternity in people's lives and hearts. You guys may not know, but every year now, it's almost a tradition. We host an event where special needs kids get to learn how to ride bikes. It's this awesome, awesome thing we do. And it's easy to look at that and say, well, isn't that nice? We're helping kids learn how to balance on two wheels. But what we're really doing is we are investing in the hearts and lives of those kids and their families, believing that we are helping steer them towards this amazing plan God has for their life. You know, we host economic forums here at the church. We bring community and business leaders in here. I'm telling you, we are not just giving them a big cold box to sit in to have a meeting. That's not the goal of that. We actually believe we are partnering with God in transforming and renewing this area so it can really glorify him and change people's lives. We did this awesome thing, the toy shop in December. Maybe you guys have heard about that. We threw this huge Christmas store for single moms and families in need. And, you know, the first thought is, well, that's so nice. They had presents for Christmas. But you got to see, this wasn't just about filling up a Christmas tree. We were expressing God's love and generosity into the lives of these people that will far outlast any single event. This is legacy. You got to see this. God wants to work out eternity and leave an impact that will last forever in every single person here. And we actually we actually get a practical picture of how this actually works out and God, how, how God makes this work with all of us. There's a passage Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12. He says this, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. That's a reference to the church. All of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. So, Paul is saying, he's using this image, he's saying all of us are kind of like God's body, his presence working out in the world. We're fingers and we're toes and we're ears and all of us has a different purpose and God actually uniquely equips and gifts every single one of us to make a contribution to his work here in the world. And he uses that term spiritual gift there in the first line. And maybe you've done some study on this or heard about it at one point, but this is a new concept I find for a lot of people. And what it simply means is when you become a Christian, God actually supernaturally gifts you to make a contribution in his church, in the body as he describes it. And if you read through the Bible, you'll see gifts listed out in so many different places. I'm not going to go into all of them, but they're kind of fun to talk about because I think people are surprised that some of these are gifts. Some of you guys, you might actually have a gift of hospitality from God. You are so good at creating spaces and making people feel welcome. Maybe it's even a cooking gift, and God actually gives that to you to help people feel welcome and at home. There's actually a gift of administration. You might be somebody in here where even after you've accomplished a task, you love just to write it down and cross it out because that just gives you like a feeling of, ah, I have control over my life. (laughs) Maybe God actually has given that weird dysfunction to you so you can help the church out and keep it organized. There's actually a gift of craftsmanship described in the Bible, where you may have this gift with your hands, whether it be artistic skills or actually building things. We have so many people in the church with that gift. I could go on and on, guys. There's gifts of service and encouragement and leadership and giving and faith and so many different things. I encourage you to dig into that. But here's what you need to do. If you pay attention and just look around the church, 
you will see these gifts expressed in so many amazing ways. We have this great guy in the church named Ken who definitely has the gift of craftsmanship, so good with his hands, and I swear he came in last week, and I'm pretty sure he spent about seven hours putting tricycles together. And at first look, I'm looking at him just with all these parts, and tricycles are actually surprisingly complicated. And he's assembling these tricycles, and my first thought is, oh, man, thank goodness somebody's willing to step up to the plate and do some of the manual labor around here. Thank you, Ken. But if you really look at what he's doing, he is living legacy. Because some kid is going to sit on one of those tricycles, and it is going to create an experience for that kid that will actually bring them closer to God and will influence their entire family and can literally shape the direction for that family for generations to come through a tricycle. There's people in this church. There's one woman in particular, actually, I want to mention. I got connected to her, and she definitely has the gift of administration. She, like, geeks out over colors and charts and folders and all that kind of stuff. And I brought her into the high school ministry, and she actually gives hours and hours every week organizing all the logistical, organizational, administrative aspects of the high school ministry, which there's a lot. And here's the funny thing. I'm pretty sure she would be okay if she never had to talk to a high schooler ever again in her life, which I know some of you guys are like, yeah, that's actually kind of me too. But every single student that comes through these doors, and there will be hundreds of high schoolers that come through the doors of Ascent every year, she is leaving a mark on their hearts and lives that you honestly can't even measure. And most of these students will never know her name, but she is making an impact in their lives. We have teams of people, guys, who come in during the week just to set up chairs and create this environment for us to meet God. People who bring meals to people in the hospital or who have recently had babies. I could go on and on about people using their business skills, their gifts of prayer and support, and it is this amazing, dynamic, active, living body of God using his people to leave this forever mark on the planet. And if you're a Christian here, you just need to know, God has given you something that he wants you to use in building up his plan on this earth. It has nothing to do with your age or your spiritual maturity. It's just if you are following Jesus, you have a gift. But here's the thing. Even if you're not a Christian and you're here, you're checking things out, not even totally sure where you stand, all of us, I think, have this thing inside of us that just knows we want to live for something bigger. We want to leave a mark. We don't want to just live for ourselves and our, for our own little sphere. And I'm telling you, God has made you for impact. He's made you to leave a mark that actually matters. And this actually worked out perfectly. I promise I wasn't trying to set this up as a sales pitch, but Sarah, one of our awesome staff members, put these A-team cards on every single one of your seats today so you couldn't hide from them or avoid them. And here's the thing. If you've been in church long enough, you look at this. And the A-team, by the way, is like our volunteer teams for the church. We call it our A-team. It's easy to see this card and be like, oh, church must need kids volunteers. They're running low. We need a restock. But I'm telling you this. I don't want you just to see this as some sort of need card because at the end of the day, the church's goal is not just to get you to do stuff. Our job is to help you discover your purpose and live out God's plan for your life and use the gifts he's given you. And don't look at this as just a sign-up card for something. This may be your ticket to a legacy opportunity in your life. This may be the first step in really figuring out how God wants to use you in this place during this season. I want to challenge some of you guys. You may have no idea what you're excited about, passionate about, good at. Just write on this, I have no idea what I'm doing. And we would love to help you figure that out because God made you to have an impact in this church. And the only way a sense is going to reach its full potential is if all of us are stepping up 
experiencing our gifts, living them out, working them out. It's the only way you're honestly going to live out your purpose in life. This all fits together. But the last thing I want is for you guys to leave today and be like, all right, Brian, truce. I'll fill out your card, and I'll just make sure I email, ignore the email when it comes next week, okay? I don't want that to be the takeaway today. There's something so much bigger going on here. Jesus makes this bold statement when he was here on earth. He says this, Matthew 16, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Soon after Jesus says this, he goes off and gets himself killed. Which, by the way, is not a good strategy when you're making extravagant claims about starting a global movement. That's usually not what you want to do. And Jesus goes off and gets killed. And all of his followers' hopes and dreams and expectations for what this could mean went to the grave with him. They thought it was over. And they go to visit this tomb to honor him and take care of the body. And sure enough, the whole thing's empty. And not only that, they actually encounter Jesus alive and back from the dead. The same guy they saw nailed to a cross a few days earlier. And they were so convinced that a resurrection event happened that Peter, a few weeks later, would preach the first ever truly Christian sermon. And the account of it says that 3,000 people that day became Jesus' followers. And now you fast forward to where we are today, over 2 billion people today identify themselves as Jesus followers, and we're sitting here in an old Sam's Club in Louisville, Colorado, talking about the same guy. How does that happen? That is crazy. Jesus is building something. Something has happened in history to bring you to this giant box to talk about the same guy from 2,000 years ago. And here's the thing you need to know. There will be a day when iPhones are just going to be an interesting technological artifact. There's going to be a day when Frappuccinos are a disgusting drink your great-grandmother used to have a long time ago. You know there's actually going to be a day when the United States of America is a blip on the history books of humanity. Every single community, every single corporation, every single country is going to have its day. It's got a timeline. It's got a shelf life. And Jesus says there is one thing that is truly never going to die. That's what he meant when he said the gates of Hades will not overcome. He says death won't even slow this thing down or stop it. And here's the thing. This doesn't rely on human power. This doesn't rely on fat bank accounts. This doesn't rely on cultural trends. None of those things because Jesus says, I am building this thing called the church. He didn't say, hey, we're going to build alternative Christian coffee shops We're going to build private Christian schooling and protect all of our kids. He didn't say it's about building Christian podcasts or YouTube accounts. All that stuff is great. He says, I'm going to build a church. It's the only thing Jesus ever said he was going to build. It's the only thing he promised would last forever. And I'm going to tell you this. When I jumped into this church building game of ministry, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. And there's been ups, there's been downs like any other thing in life. But I will say this, I am more convinced today than I ever have been in my life that the church is the most important thing happening on planet Earth. And if Jesus promised that this would be the only thing that lasts, then 
it really is worth giving our lives to. It's worth sacrificing for. And it's not just me who was called into ministry. It's not just the vocational people. Every single person is called into this ministry church building project. Every single person here. And there's this writer in Hebrews, it's a book in the New Testament, and he actually gives this charge to the church. He says, if this really is this important, if this is where history is leading towards, we have to orient our lives around this in a different way. We have to think differently about how we live. And he gives this challenge. He says in Hebrews 10, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. I think this is so interesting because I would have thought in the first century, you know, Jesus just rose from the dead. You'd think people would still be a little excited about that and kind of motivated about their faith. But already in the first century, people were kind of getting complacent, a little lackadaisical, losing some of their motivation, and he's trying to stir them up. And 2,000 years later, it's almost that much easier now, I think, for us to kind of be flippant about our faith. I'll be the first one to admit, church so many times for me can just become this periodic Sunday morning ritual that I kind of use to check the box, and it's kind of a forgettable experience. You move on with your life. Can we just be honest? That's sometimes what it is. But this guy is saying, do not take this lightly. Do not just let this be a convenience thing for you when it fits into your life. You need to encourage each other. You need to push each other because this is so important. And I want to encourage some of you guys even. Just showing up on Sunday, just being here in this room right now is a ministry. Because the fact that you're here right now, you are declaring to God and everybody else in this room This matters. This is worth prioritizing. This is something worth giving my life to. And I will tell you, there are so many times when I honestly need a spiritual boost. I'm running on empty. I'm losing my motivation. And one of the main things God uses to encourage me in my faith is just coming here and being in this community. And I look around during worship and I see people just raising their hands and singing to God with such passion and faith. And it stirs something in my soul. I see people digging into the messages, hungry to grow. I see the community happening and friendships forming and families, entire families coming into this thing. And it actually builds up my faith. I think it's so easy sometimes. You come into church, you're like, okay, you know, impress me, pastor. Kids ministry better be good. How's the music? You give it a six out of 10 when you drive home with your family. And I'm just saying this right now. Today may have nothing to do with you and what you're going to get out of it today. And it may have everything to do with how God is using you to encourage and build up the other people in this room. That may be exactly why God has you here. It matters that much. And I just want to talk to a few groups of people here Um, just because I talk to so many different, we have so many backgrounds and everything, but there's a lot of parents I talk to, as you might imagine, work with high schoolers here at the church. And there's so many conversations around, I really want to foster faith in my kids. How do I really make sure, like, it sticks? And I'll be the first to tell you, parents, there is no magic formula, absolutely no formula. There are no promises. But one thing I definitely have seen is when parents truly model 
their faith to their kids and they prioritize God and his church and they organize their lives around it. They let their kids see their devotion to it. There is something about that that is so compelling and attractive. There's something so amazing when families really step up and they model it for their kids. And I'm not saying it's a guarantee, but one of the best gifts you can give to your kids is the devotion you model to them of your faith. We got a lot of retirees and people in the a new phase of life. And a lot of times I think you're like, well, this is where the least amount of demands are on me. This is where I have, you know, some extra margin. I'm saying this could be the most fruitful season of your life, leaving a legacy that far outlasts you. This could be the best season of your life to leave an impact. I want to talk to college students and young adults. I love this group in our church. And I'm so inspired when I see so many of our students loving on kids in the kids ministry, helping set up for events, being involved and planted in this church. I tell you what, I am not worried at all about the students I see doing that and the young adults I see doing that. It impresses me so much. But I do want to say to the young adults and college students, this is an easy season of life to kind of be focused on yourself, trying to get through classes, trying to get your career started. You're not super accountable to a lot of people. But every time you choose to prioritize God in his church, you're setting a foundation for your legacy and for your life that will live on so much further than you. This is where you're building up the momentum for all that. And I actually was hanging out with a a young adult the other week. This guy is a year or two out of college. He moved up here for a job. He's got no family or anything up here. And he just decides, I'm going to plant myself at Ascent Church. And the funny thing is we were talking last week and he said, hey, Brian, I set a goal to go skiing 50 times this year which just shows me he's definitely not married and definitely doesn't have kids because you ain't doing that when you got responsibilities and things to do. You ain't skiing 50 times. I just want to look at the mountains. That's a win for the year for me. Oh, good, I saw them. Okay, back to changing diapers. Um, But here's the funny thing about this guy. We're talking last week. He tells me about this skiing goal. And then he said something to me that was honestly just so inspiring. He said, you know, I set this goal to go skiing. He's like, I could hit that goal so easy if it wasn't for the church. But he's like, I am not about to prioritize skiing over the church. That would just be ridiculous. His word's not mine, all right? Don't shoot the messenger. But here's the thing about this guy. When he gets to heaven, he is definitely not going to be the best skier. But he will have left a legacy that is living far beyond his own life. And you guys don't even know this, but every single week you're impacted by this guy and his sacrifices through the things he does. The things he does in this church affect everybody every single week because he's chosen to make it his priority. And Jess, if you don't mind, throw the Hebrews verse up one more time. That last line right there says, encourage each other, push each other, all the more as you see the day approaching, capital D day. Anytime that's used in the Bible, that's a reference to the fact that God is moving history towards something. This is not all there is. We're not just living in cycles. God has a plan and he has this amazing purpose to bring all things together, to bring healing and renewal to creation, to remove suffering and death, and to bring this amazing church plan to fulfillment. And this writer is just saying, we're going towards that, guys. This matters. Everything we're doing is contributing to what God is working out in this world. And there's nothing more important that you can attach your life to than this kingdom project that God is building on earth. And I got the greatest affirmation of this a few months ago. When I was just on Facebook, I was checking the feeds, going through the updates, and I get this message from a young woman. 
And she says, Brian, you probably don't remember me. You probably don't know me at all. But I was a part of your youth group back in Missouri when you were in college. And I just wanted you to know that that season of my life set me on a trajectory that I never could have imagined for my life. She's like, God has moved in ways I never would have expected. I've been totally transformed. And now as a young woman, I'm engaged to this amazing man. We're so hopeful for the future. And it all started in the context of that church community when I was a little girl. And I'm reading this message and I look at this girl's name and I write her back and I say, not only do I remember you, but I still have your letter that you wrote me 10 years ago when you were a sixth grader. And that skeptical side of me thought, what does a 12-year-old know about my life being changed? God showed me that he is doing things far beyond anything I could ever imagine or hope for in ways we can't even measure. And you need to know, Ascent Church, there are hundreds and there are thousands of people right in our very area in your neighborhoods that God wants to do the same exact thing for. And he wants to use this church to do it. Can you just dream with me for a second? Imagine what this church can be doing in the next five years. Can you just imagine the impact if all of us were really seeking out our gifts and living them out and really working in this body that God calls his church? Just imagine if all of us were fully committed to this amazing hodgepodge of people we call our church family. We are only five years into a sense history, guys. What has happened here is not normal. God is moving, and I can't even imagine what would happen if we all fully committed to this thing called the church. God would do things we can't even fit in our heads. And we are in one of the most unchurched areas in the country. This is a tough area, but we have the one thing that can truly transform people's lives, give them real hope, true joy, and lasting fulfillment. And I really believe if we will just commit one tricycle, one donut, one kid, one relationship, one prayer, one community outreach event at a time, we are going to see God build his church through us, and we're going to leave a legacy that's going to live on forever. Will you guys pray with me? God, I just want to thank you for the church, that you've given us this community, this family, this dynamic movement to be a part of that you invite us into. It's such a privilege, Lord, to even be here today and talk about these things. And I just pray right now that every single person will come to a fresh appreciation and understanding, even vision for what the local church is. And for some of us, Lord, I pray that you'll give us some fresh motivation to really commit ourselves. I pray some people will seek out their gifts and start using them in this area, in this community. And I pray most of all, God, that you will just unify this amazing family we call Ascent so we can really live out your will and your plan in this community because we know every investment, it's legacy, it's impacting eternity forever. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen, amen.